Bloody Podcast. I'm your host, Maria Felix. I'm Lori Roggenkamp. And today our guest is someone you've heard before. He's hilarious. He's amazing. And he's a hero. Joey Pleasance. Yay. Yay, Joey. Hey, how are you? I'm phenomenal. How are you guys? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. good. Yeah. Good, good, good. I'm a hero. You okay. are a hero. You are a hero. Yeah. Hero to all my Lyft passengers. And in life. And just in general. <laughs> to my niece and nephew. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Are you a hero to your niece and nephew? Yeah, he's uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a mythical. I'm, I'm Dr. Manhattan because they never get to see me. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to a different planet for them. I just started watching um all the Marvel movies in order of yeah. how you're supposed to watch them. Um, So I'm only on the second one. I'm only on Captain Marvel. Those two people are lesbians, though, right? They're in love with each other. Oh, totally. That's the yeah. whole point of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So Captain <laughs> Marvel is a big lesbo. <laughs> Yes, she is. I would love that. I would love it if she was a lesbian. Can we say lesbo? Yes. Uh, we I? just had a whole, okay. after, before the podcast, we just had a whole thing about what words we can and can't say. I'll point out, like most situations, Mexicans were mostly left out of the conversation. No, I brought up, I brought up the you In guys. the bad way. You didn't bring us up in the way of like, they also have strife. Hi. I brought up that it, <laughs> at the high schools I go to, Mexican teenagers are the ones who use the N-word most of the time. What's so. the worst Mexican racial slur? I think it depends on the person because, like, mm-hmm. spick doesn't bother me, okay. but wetback bothers me. Oh, okay, um, okay. But it doesn't really bother me. It's more of, like, it bothers. It's like when, when somebody uses the word the words too, too, too wrong. Okay. Because wetback was originally like uh like a a racial term for people who crossed from like from Cuba mm-hmm. to come over. And so like yes, you cross the the Rio Grande, some people do from Mexico, but it's like one of those things where it's like I'm you're calling me the wrong one. Mm-hmm. I'm a fucking beaner, mm. you know? Get it like, together. <laughs> If That's you're going to be racist, be, be, be geographically racist. Exactly. Be correct That's, about it. That's uh, the only way it bothers I, this me. Is like, this is way out of the realm of this podcast, but that's like my main point. It is, it's not racism that actually gets you. It's ignorance and bigotry. Really? Yeah. It, that's Racism's true. Racism's just like, yeah. oh, Asians can't hold their liquor. That's funny. Yeah. But if you say like, oh my God, all Vietnamese people are this, but you're actually thinking Taiwanese people, that's like, ugh, come on, man. It's, yeah. yeah, I think you're yeah. not even using your brain to get it right. Yeah. yeah. Get get the etymology right. Yeah. Get, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Get your hate right. Yeah. <laughs> get exact. If you're gonna hate, hate realistically. All racial. Logically. Yeah. All racists should take a social studies class. Yes, just, just to get back on the they same wouldn't page because they don't want to know. Well, that's how their racism is going to get better. That's how mine did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I took social studies and civics, and I was like, "Oh my god, I know it all now." Yeah, that's White like people used to be slaves. <laughs> Holy moly! Anyway, speaking of not caring, um, <laughs> so today we're going to talk about Dorothea Puente. And if you guys don't know about Dorothea Puente, she was a one of the. Um, a big story in the in the 80s early 90s she was a older female serial killer who killed her victims for profit not for sexual gratification but still a serial killer in the lexicon of serial killers yeah cuz she killed more than 3 she killed so more than she's three. automatically a serial killer yes um there are some that feel like serial killers have to have a sexual gratification and maybe she diddled herself 
at the thought of all the money that she got from killing these people. Why not? Yeah. But she was an older woman. She was found. She killed. uh, She was arrested and charged for nine murders. They found seven bodies in the garden of her house at 1426 F Street in Sacramento, which is where my aunt lived for a long time. So. Wait, at that place at, or at Sacramento? No, just in Sacramento. Oh. Just in the Does she still live there or did she No, she moved. Too? I okay. asked her to record a little thing to say like what she knew about Dorothea Puente, and she was just like, all I know is that she was an older lady who killed some people. <laughs> like, okay, that's all you great, need to know. You. That's all you really need most, to know. You know, it's weird. Except what's for funny, the listener. Yeah, what's funny is most people tend to stay away from the crime. it's very unlikely (laughs) your aunt was like a little well maybe a little version of you that doesn't make any sense did i tell you about the the uh girl that i thought was attractive and you didn't that when we were dating i kept asking her if she she's mormon and i kept asking her family and anybody i would meet in the mormon community (laughs) no if they knew about jody arias because at the time jody arias was a big deal i was like so what's your take on jody arias they're like who and i was like how do you not know who jody arias is I've literally hung out with people like at a work thing and I've been like and I've brought up like a true crime event and they would one of them was like, oh, I hate true crime. I can't stand it. And the other girl was like, yeah, me too. I just like it's too much. And I was like, yeah. So anyway, and I kept talking about <laughs> I always um, try to time the, the grossest words of a story when someone's about to take a bite. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The the one I always remember is the cannibal guy from I think he was from Jeffrey Dahmer. No no no. Um, he wa- I want to say China, but I'm not exactly sure. But he ate somebody in France, mm. and when he is going through like the descriptions of all that, he says that like when he tried the anus, the anus didn't taste good. Like <laughs> 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 he tried cooking it in oil and all this other stuff, and it just <laughs> he's like I can't. It just it, it just had a weird taste. <laughs> That's such a great visual of someone like tasting it and then be like, mm, let me put a little garlic on yeah, this for us. Yeah. Let me give it a little salt to taste. <laughs> not not yet. Cumin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a little curry. Cumin didn't even <laughs> work? Cumin. All right. So Dorothea uh, was born, Dorothea Helen Gray, on January 9th, 1929. She was the sixth of seven children. The roaring 20s. They're at an end. <laughs> Say here. Look at all these keys. Uh, all these keys yeah <laughs> i can't do i can't do a roaring 20s accent you gotta do the transatlantic accent see? the transatlantic yeah. i can't i don't know the boys were just back from war they showed up to redlands california didn't know they were be waiting to be eight <laughs> killed and eight by tortilla puente <laughs> is that it she started she, in 82 so, so one of the things that we'll know i'm just gonna s- claim from the start is that she was a huge liar like mm. she was a, a old big ladies liar. are always liars. Yeah, <laughs> old ladies are the best liars because they've been around so long. They know they just know how to manipulate and lie mm. to you. They're mm. good Irish storytellers. They mm. don't let the truth get in the way of good story. There yeah. We go. So, um, she would claim that she was the youngest of eighteen brothers and sisters. I tell you what, when, like, I don't believe old people. <laughs> a lot of you, uh, people are raised to be That's like a hot take for and no i'm saying people are raised to be like oh it's an innocent old lady it's a, it's a sweet old man uh-uh. i grew up in convalescent homes because that's where my parents worked those people are fuckers they're motherfuckers <laughs> oh yeah they're so angry and like they're the, at the end of their life and they're like i'm gonna use every little last bit i have 
you know, they'll fucking stab you for a cigarette. Mm. They're hardcore. Yeah. Mm. And when you're not looking, they'll just smack you in the face. My yeah. grandma used to do that. Yeah. She would like. She would be like, "What's over? What? Look at that it's car!" Never happened to me she before. She would just smack. Her big thing was she loved to hit you while you were driving her <laughs> oh my to God. someplace, and you were like, "I'm gonna lose control of this car, you freaking psycho!" That, I hope you do. Of, yeah. Is that out of jealousy that she can't drive, or no? She would just get so mad at like very like different things. Like one time she got mad because I told her she said she said something like. All Samoan steel, and I said not all Samoan steel. <laughs> That's funny. Like, because she had these Samoan <laughs> nurses, and she would say all Samoan steel, and I go, Nooney, you just probably misplaced whatever it is you think that they took. And she was like, she goes, I want you to go over to that Seven Eleven, and then I look over, and she just smacks me right across the face. And I was just wow. like, oh, you are a fun person. <laughs> you see, you see. That's okay. Old people Got are it. tricky. Yeah, that's fun. So, steel. yeah. <laughs> she one time told me that she was going to kill herself and hide her body in a place in the ha- in her house where we couldn't find her. And it wow. was like an open floor plan. So I was like, where would she put herself? Wow. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that I used to have to deal with when I would drive her to dialysis. Yeah. It's the, yeah. And dialysis is a daily thing. Oh, yeah. That sucks. Yeah. Oh. Father was Jesse James Gray from Missouri. <laughs> Gray fought in World War One and was severely burned by mustard gas, which, as a result, he developed tuberculosis. Gray was deeply depressed, which he expressed thoroughly and fervently to his kids loudly. He would often shout about how he thought life was vicious and mean, and his the he was the object of unfair treatment, and that he would probably just kill himself. Mother was Trudy Mae Gates from Oklahoma. She was tougher physically and emotionally than her husband. So she was the hitter. She was the hitter. She oh, was, really? Yeah. I was just <laughs> she was a small-faced, pretty woman who had a rebel, rough rebel nature from the start of the marriage. Some uh, reports show that she was actually a prostitute when Gray was in and out of the hospital for tuberculosis. You say small face, pretty woman. Like I just like imagine like a heavy set woman, but like with a shrunken, <laughs> yeah, like round face. Head. Yeah, yeah, like, like a with tiny head. features. She has a normal size head, but like it's a shrunken face. It's yeah, just like a <laughs> like you just took your thumb and in middle and index finger and like smushed it. Yeah, like just smushed the face. <laughs> How can you be that and have a pretty face? Like it's just like a. I don't know. I don't even understand. Is it is it pretty like a cartoon or it just yeah. <laughs> has like rosy cheeks? I guess I'm pretty confused. in the 1929 way of like not droopy, you know, <laughs> like probably yeah. that's it. like has. Most she was teeth. really good at the Charleston. That's, all, that's why she was pretty. <laughs> yeah, that girl's got it made. <laughs> wow, this chick's really dynamite. <laughs> look at that tiny face. That's how she got on her. Dons. That's going to make my dick yeah. look real big. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Dude, I, that's probably it. Yeah, they were just slapping yes. it on her face, and they were like, "Oh, the I Look feel how so giant, huge." Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like I'm a, a jolly green giant. <laughs> uh, great. The father couldn't hold down a job, so that meant the whole family had to work odd jobs around Redlands, where they lived. Redlands, California. Uh, it doesn't. Yeah, say. I would assume I think Redlands because yeah. they are from Sacramento. Yeah. Redlands is down here in Southern California, and. Wow, that's that's a rough place to live. The children were often left to fend for themselves. The parents argued bitterly and drank frequently. Trudy, particularly the mother, 
drank, and stayed away from her husband and children. The other children took care of the younger ones, and Dorothea was essentially raised by her older brother and sisters. By six or seven years old, Dorothea had started faking illnesses or fabricating complex fantasies about her importance. Because her life was, was so, so miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Dorothea was often chastised by her teachers for lying. In 1935, Gray was in and out of the hospital for treatment for his tuberculosis. The father? Yeah. While he was gone, Dorothea's mother spent much of her time with a motorcycle gang. She would lock Dorothea and an older brother in the closet for days at a time when Dude, she left. Dude, gross. She's banging in the motorcycle gang? Yeah. Oh, those are nasty. That's yeah. nasty. That's some nasty shit. Those motorcycle hoes? Oh, mm-hmm. no. Those are not. Those mm-hmm. those women are. I can't even, like, start one of those porns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fucking, like, I see, no. like, the, the bikers all pull up. I'm like, oh, God, that's a nightmare. <laughs> I heard my worst description ever one time. There, I, there was a guy who I... I knew from comedy and he one time we did the show up in Inland Empire and there was this woman who was Redlands. part of yeah there was this woman who was who was like her and her husband like were at the show and she was part of a motorcycle gang and she invited this guy over to her house to do mushrooms so she went to her house and he calls me like and I go home and he calls me in the middle of the night and asks me to come pick him up and so I go pick him up and they <laughs> They said that he, the you woman. show up in your little Nissan Versa. And yeah. And there's all these like bikes around. Yeah. And I was like, hey guys, I don't say the N word. Um, uh, so he. Um, Did you have to go inside for him? Uh, I think I went inside, but I don't remember if that was that time or one other time I had to go pick him up. What? Yeah. There was multiple times. Yeah. So I went inside and I, or I don't, uh, he might've come outside. So he gets inside, but the. So he gets inside and he says that the girl had tried to hit on him. And the way she tried to hit on him was she took his hand and placed it down her pants and tried to stick his fingers up her vagina. That's one way to do it. And she said, and he said, and I will never forget this. He said it was like sticking your hand in an, in a balloon filled with potato chips. What? That's the grossest thing I've ever How? heard. How? What does Somebody that even describe mean? A, a woman's vagina. This, you can't. Uh, yeah. What? I'm just imagining this as a scene from that movie Porky's. <laughs> <laughs> the kids all go to that that biker bar. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Okay. But he knew what Wonderful. a vagina felt like, right? He wasn't doing like the forty-year-old <laughs> version thing where he's like, it's like two bags of sand. He wasn't doing that, right? I mean, the jury was yeah, out. Cool. Who knows? It Maybe just he felt didn't like know. potato chips. If it felt like that was probably chips. some kind of disease or something. Oh, oh that's like yeah. dragon skin Ooh. or whatever. Dragon scale. Gray from, scale yeah. from, yes. from, from, from Game, Game of Thrones. Thrones. Started in her vagina. So <laughs> the mother would come home and throw ragers at the house, and Dorothea was expected to clean up. And they, she said they made multiple references in this book. Of feces and vomit being what? all over the house. See, no one ever talks about the ragers in the 30s. No. Maybe this is why. Like, were they <laughs> no. like, were they just. This was what, the Depression era? So it those was, people were partying. Yeah. yeah. They were really partying on a yeah. cheap budget, Were they doing, too. like, Sodom and Gomorrah-style partying? And is that why we don't hear about it? Where it's, like, disgusting? And that's why America just doesn't mention the 30s? Yeah, yes. they only told us. They only ever showed us like that, uh, like the white family with like a bad pickup truck or something, or a bad like horse and carriage. Yeah, in a depression bowl. Or yeah, a dust yeah. Bowl era. Yeah, everyone's Just all dirty. All dirty. Yeah. 
We're going to assume that's what happened. So the mother was spent like, oh. was arrested and spent time, uh, a lot of time in jail for drunkenness and would leave, often leave her seven children without either parent at home. The mother, When the mother was home, she would often lecture Dorothea about helping other people and the need to be of service to others. Mother once made me promise to feel sorry for alcoholics and to take care of drunks, Dorothea said later in life. So I feel like she did not take this to heart because throughout this, we'll see that she, even though she does uh, care for alcoholics at the um, half or the um, houses that she sets up, she hates them with a passion. Well, yeah. So they the, ruined her life. The family moved to Los Angeles in late 1936. Um, perfect time to move to Los Angeles. Yes. Perfect time. Uh, her father's health faded and, her mother's drunken sprees grew worse. In December of 1936, her father had gone back into the hospital and his condition uh, never improved. In February 1937, her, the children were split between other relatives or neighbors. That's actually what happened to my grandma. My grandma's mom, my grandma's dad went to a, a sane asylum. And my grandma's mom was just like, I just want to have fun and I don't want to be anywhere. So she would leave her kids. So what ended up happening is, is that she, her and her brother, the neighbors noticed that there was nobody living at the house. So they just ended up taking, like, one neighbor was like, I'll take the boy. And another neighbor was like, I'll take the girl. And that was it. That's how they, like, moved. Wow. So it's pretty crazy that, like, you know, I don't think I would trust my neighbors with, like, a stray cat. Not oh, now. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel don't like even know my neighbors. No, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I just hear them having sex all the time. Yeah. So in a way you know them. Yeah, in a know. way, you know you know what rocks their boat, you know. <laughs> Do you think they would be good? Joey's thinking about like flashbacking right now. I like, I wake up to it. Yeah, I wake up to it. Yeah, they they go at it all day. Well, the best is when they're going at it, and then like the uh, the Hispanic family on the other side of my apartment can hear them through their windows, so that the mother starts yelling out. She's like, "Yeah, my, my babies can hear this." She's like, "They're gonna learn sometime, time." Like, right. oh, boy. I'm just there masturbating to it all. Yeah, <laughs> symphony, <laughs> symphony of city sounds. So, March 29th. 1937, after after a month of being reunited with his kids, Grape, uh, the father, passes away. Trudy and Dorothea moved to San Dimas at the end of 1937. So there's no word of, like, what happened to the other kids. I'm assuming they probably just all, like, stayed with other people. Yeah. Um, her The mother's drinking increased even more than before. So now it's the mom, Dorothea, and is that it? Yeah, that's okay. it. Okay. So, oh, Dorothea's oh, alone wow. with her mom now. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. So, in 1938, the mother loses custody of Dorothea. So, at nine years old, Dorothea enters an orphanage run by the Church of Christ in Ontario, California. She's been all around. Yeah. Her, uh, Dorothea's endless lying and imaginative fantasies were remarked by the staff, even at the orphanage. December 27, 1938, her mother was killed in a motorcycle accident. So she then goes to live with a succession of... Her last of, ride. Yeah. <laughs> she probably... It wasn't the 10 guys in the bathroom. <laughs> oh! It was the motorcycle. I just imagine home. it all at once. 10 guys. Have you ever watched those gangbangs where it's just like one sad guy just like 
putting his hand on a boob. <laughs> and it's just like, just let it be, dude. <laughs> he's got to get in there somehow. He's got to, he's got to, he's got to lay his. <laughs> it's, like grabbing, it's like when somebody's like uh, crowd surfing. Yes. Just grabbing onto whatever you can to say that you touch them. Yeah. <laughs> Just, oh man, it's just so weird to me. What's weirder, that guy or the guy standing in the background, just like waiting for his turn? Like, oh, yes. well, I'm here. Or like the yeah, the guy who constantly is like like work making sure his penis is erect. So eventually, when he's called in, <laughs> he can he. And then of course, when he is called in, he immediately grabs a girl and goes, uh, 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 and then that's it, and he's done. And it's like, well, yeah, because you've been working it for twelve minutes, dude. Take a breather. So uh, Dorothea rarely spent more than a few months in any one place. She was in, she lived in Napa at age of 13. And then um, at 16, she was in Los Angeles where she only was in school for one semester. So is she just getting moved to foster homes now? I think it's like a mix. I think it's like relatives and then foster and then like a neighbor and then like another relative. And then now her brothers and sisters are older, so she goes to live with them sometimes. Right, right. So, but at the age of sixteen, she starts reckon- realizing that men are finding her attractive. She's dark-haired and slim, and she's learning that her beauty is a tool, so that she can bend people to do as she wish- wished. So, in 1945, she goes back to Los Angeles to live with an older sister and her ho- husband. But soon after, she runs away, heading north. In summer of 1945, she ends up in Olympia, Washington, and she is going by the name Sherry and works as a waitress in a milkshake parlor, but also for the first time. That's the wrong song. I'm sorry. <laughs> is it? I think it's right. Uh, as the, but at the first time, she starts working as a prostitute. So she's she's uh, daylighting as she's Sherry. Daylights. What? She's daylighting as Sherry the, the Sherry the milkshake, milkshake waitress, par- milkshake which is waitress. a metaphor unto itself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. I mean, literally, her milkshake her brings milk. all the boys yeah. to the yard. Yeah, there it's we go. crazy. And then it also has potato chips. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had? Oh, but here's the thing. Have you ever had a milkshake with potato chips in it? Pretty good. Pretty good. And fries. Yeah, vanilla ice cream milk, with fries. Vanilla milkshake, fries. I it was my I remember milkshake or ice cream and fries forever because it was like the first high food that I made. Oh, uh, okay. Like okay. It, not made, but what? you know, like when you like blend the two because you're yeah. so high. Yeah. Like, oh, and you think you made something. Yeah, you fries think you are so <laughs> hot. What if I cool them off a little bit? And then it's cold and you still burn your you burn your mouth like Oh, it's so good though. Yeah, we only had, uh, my town was real poor, so we only had a Wendy's, but they had Frosties, Ashland, Virginia. Oh, okay. Real poor, just like three stoplights, and there's like six fast food chains there. Yeah, yeah. You're like, okay, we're going to Wendy's today. Yeah. French fries and Frosties. Nice. Mm. It's it's still delicious. I think that's going to be the name of your autobiography. French French fries and Frosties. Jesus Christ, I'm a fat I didn't mean for you to go down that road, but okay. Oh, man. Thanks so much, Lord. He spiraled so fast. Yeah. He's uh, eating a whole pizza now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where he got it. 
we had to stop the podcast so <laughs> Joey could finish this pizza that he ordered. <clears throat> and we're back. <laughs> oh, man. So Dorothea loved, loved being a prostitute. She loved it. And she loved it because she would be able to capitalize on her beauty, which is something she always like liked that people liked about her. Right. And then she also could make up any story she wanted about herself. And she could get guys to do pretty much whatever she wanted. Right, right. And I, I too find the the fun in making up stories about yourself because I do that with Lyft drivers all the time. I, I just make say. up a lot of crazy stories about myself. Well, that is wrong. Okay, <laughs> I here we are, good citizens of, of L.A., trying to make a connection, trying to have a heart to heart with humanity, and you're just making stuff up. Yes. I've been a mother of two many times. You have you tried making stuff up on your? I've end? done full on accents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what it is. What kind of accents? I'll do an African accent sometimes. I don't do a Middle Eastern because I already look Middle Eastern. So I'll do like a British accent to be like, "Oh, hey, Mike, what, 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 what do you think I am?" My you Lyft th- driver. I'm th- th- Middle Eastern. Oh God. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You're a yank. <laughs> <laughs> So you don't know any good Indian places around here. <laughs> I'm I mean, sorry I, that. <laughs> I hope there's a photo of me attached with this uh, podcast so everyone gets that joke. <laughs> no. They just have to use their imagination. Are you chewing ibuprofen? Yes. Fastest way fast way to your bloodstream. Yeah, that's true. Other than putting it in your butt. Uh, I do have a couple up my butt just for safekeeping. That was, but fast. that's just to make my butthole taste better. <laughs> in case, in case <laughs> yeah. a serial killer gets yeah. to it, I always I just keep a, a some ibuprofen and a clove of garlic down there just to <laughs> ward know. off vampires. Yeah, yeah. So she, she, uh, this, this is where she meets her first husband, Fred McFall who was a 22-year-old soldier coming back from the Philippines. Who decided to marry a prostitute. Who decided to marry a prostitute. And also, I will say, probably the only person in her life who genuinely loved her. Mm, Most likely, yeah. Oh, that's Because, like, so she still goes by the name Sherry, which is hilarious. uh, Fred is six years her senior. How old is she, then? She's... She is... This is 1945. She's 16. Damn, she's so young. She's lived like a whole life already. Bad yeah. baby. So she... She was the original bad baby. Yeah. <laughs> so she um, she tells him that her name is Sherry and that she works as a milkshake waitress. And Fred immediately finds out that her name is Dorothea and that she works as a prostitute at a motel room. What do you do? Do you look at her wallet? Or <laughs> yeah. <something>? Probably <laughs> just like... Wa- she. Pro- he probably was just like standing out the outside of the motel room door. And was just like, I don't think so. <laughs> but he didn't care. He was like, that's fine. He, he con- like many years later, he would remark back and say that he always thought that Dorothea was wildly attractive and remired her r- ruthless desire to survive. He, she, he was quoted as saying one time in an interview that was where people was asking about her, like after it found out that she had killed a bunch of people, that he was like, she knew how to make a buck when she wanted to. And he always talked about how he he found her incredibly attractive. He sounds like um, did sounds you like get, a nice guy? <laughs> you know, he's a nice nice. <laughs> it sounds like tortilla for him is the one that got away. You know, like the bad <laughs> the the manic pixie dream girl. Yeah, but he left her. Life. 
Why? Because yeah. she was too much? Because he couldn't handle her? Uh, basically. So yeah. they get married in November. He's totally, yeah. He was like, he like spent his life smoking cigarettes and looking out a window and thinking about Dorothea. Honey, what, you what are you looking at? Nothing. <laughs> 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 Absolutely nothing. He came back from a war in the Philippines. He was looking for something to cling on to. Yeah. Yeah. She was, she was too wild. So McFall and Dorothea marry. He tried to make an honest woman out of her. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. They marry November 1945 in Reno, Nevada, which Reno, Nevada, we'll see, has a special place for Dorothea. The most romantic place on earth. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Um, although Dorothea was only 16, she lists her age as 30 on the marriage certificate and also gives herself the name Sherielle A. Raciel. Sherielle A. So Sherielle that- A. Raciel. She wow. gave herself an initial middle name. That's got to be signs of like a serial killer. Like, no, why jump so high in age at that? Yeah. Like, Wait, who's so going how much from what? 30. 30? But see, she that's went from the, 16 to 30. That's the problem with her. Well, other than the killing the people. But the problem <laughs> I feel like is that she, she goes, she doesn't, it's not just her thing to lie. She lies so drastically that people are like, there's no way that's true. So, 16 yeah. to 30. That's. She said she was 30. So McFall obviously knows that that's not her real name. And he's like, I still don't care. He, he would, he even talked about how he thought it was great that they would go to towns and, uh, they would go to different towns, move to different towns and they would go to bars around town. And he, she would marvel at the fact that she could instantly make friends and then instantly turns those friends into like con them into doing what she wants. So he just essentially like loved everything about her. So she she had married a returning soldier, which is exactly what her mom did, and she was becoming an alcoholic, which is exactly what her mom was. She was started drinking a lot, but she also wanted to start a family. So she was the original uh, white girl from Florida. Yes. Got it. So for the first year years of the Except marriage she's from the Inland Empire, yeah, which is the Florida of California. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She for the first years of the marriage, Dorothea lived in a remote, dusty little town uh, in Gardenville, Nevada. She had two daughters between 1946 and 1948, but couldn't stand to have either child around. Her and McFall fought a lot about the kids, but eventually they ended up giving them away because Dorothea just could not stand to raise the kids. She's like, I absolutely do not want to raise them. I'm still thinking about the guy in the camping just grabbing on one random breast. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm like, he would have also loved we'll Sherry. Get, we'll get he would have loved yeah. Sherry. Yeah. We'll get to a we'll get to breast grabbing <laughs> later on in the story. There is breast grabbing in the story. Uh so the first daughter went to live with relatives in Sacramento, and the second daughter was put up for adoption. Now it's really sad because the second daughter actually tried to track down Dorothea and find out more information about her. There's no, I didn't find information about like what, if they reunited, but I have a feeling that like Dorothea could give two shits about her. She was all for show. So she like wanted to have the kids, but she didn't want to raise them. Right. Mm. So the drinking and fighting with Fred McFall and the strain of giving her two children up to strangers, which doesn't make any sense because she's the one who wanted to give them up, but that's fine. This is what she says. That's her. That's yeah. just Dorothea on any other day. Yeah. And <laughs> she's a victim for everything. So she 
it goes, I've had enough. And she leaves Fred and she goes, I'm going away for a month. And she go, moves to lot back down to Los Angeles where she starts to be, be she uh, goes back to being a prostitute. That's she, the thing is like, she loves being a prostitute. Mm-hmm. So she's always going to go back to hooking. I honestly feel like if she could have just been a prostitute, if she could have stayed 16, <laughs> she could have stayed or like, let's make it legal. Let's if she could stay 20 <laughs> for life. And just been a prostitute, she wouldn't have killed anybody. She would have just been a happy yeah. go lucky, you know. She because she's doing what she wants to do. She's conning <clears throat> dudes into giving them what she wants. I'm sure she would have graduated to being a madam eventually. Well, she does graduate, okay. but it's sheerly out of the. We'll we'll get to it. Is it's just out of the fact that her looks are fading. But so, that's what happens to the prostitute. Yeah, you know, you gotta have like a you gotta have a backup a plan. retirement plan. Yeah, so. So she eventually comes to live. She moves back in with Fred and she gets pregnant again, but she has a miscarriage. And this apparently is the straw that broke the camel's back in their marriage. No reason why, but Fred's just like, I don't know why, but that's it. And he says that he can no longer trust her to even tell him basic truths. Right. So he leaves her and in late 1948 and they later divorce. And for the rest of her life, Dorothea actually t- tells people that sh- that her husband died soon after they were married, sometimes as quickly as within two days. And this is a, a, a when she she was interviewed one time, and this is a quote that she said about her life um, up as a child. This is a very short quote: her life as a child and her first marriage. When I was three years old, I had to start picking cotton, potatoes, cucumbers, chilies, then fruits. I finally married when I was thirteen. He died after a few days. Do those things even all grow in the same soil, like in the same so. weather? Does cotton grow in California? I don't think so. No. I mean, maybe, but Did you'd she have say to like. Pickles? Did it, did it, did no, it, well, say you can't pick pickles. Cucumbers. Okay. Dry pickles, as, as the folks say. Dry pickles. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Original pickles. Yeah. So she leaves Nevada after the divorce and goes back to California go and lives in San Bernardino where she starts a, a succession of jobs that don't really pay off. So she goes to petty crimes to pay the bills. So in 1948, she starts uh, stealing checks from a woman she had befriended to buy shoes, socks, stockings, a hat, and a purse. She tries to buy... $84.83 worth of shoes using a check drawn from the account of Sheriel A. Raciel, but <laughs> but she's not that she's not that good at being a con woman yet, so she's like super nervous, and the store manager picks up on it immediately and refuses to uh, to cash the check. So Dorothea panics, takes a bus to a nearby city of Ontario, but the manager already alerts police and they had known about other forgeries that she had used on their name or seal. So they were there waiting for her when she was in Ontario and arrested her. Oh, so she started this early. Yeah. So for the, for, so she goes to see a doctor, um, who to see her mental state, to see if she was mentally competent and the co- county appointed doctor says she was a woman yeah so that's exactly yeah, what yeah, yeah. she's mm-hmm. shoot crazy um <laughs> so i mean literally literally the doctor says that dorothea had a compelling need to buy clothes and reestablish her own self-esteem 
So she, needs, she just needs to do a little shopping. She'll yeah, that's better in the morning. Therapy. The doctor <laughs> says that she's not a true criminal, but really only a situational offender, and that she would only commit crimes when opportunities presented themselves. And she thought she could evade punishment. Which mm. my thing is, isn't that every criminal? That's no. every frat boy that gets caught <laughs> raping. <laughs> There's raping some women. people who are just criminals, though. Like, take for example, um, arsonists. They can't help the like they're compelled to like pyromaniacs. Sorry, pyromaniacs. They're like kleptomaniacs. So like as a result of their you know of that they're committing crimes Mm. or psychopaths. Same thing. Yeah. So Dorothea had worked out a plea bargain, and she told the judge she was guilty of two counts of felony forgery, and one count of writing a fictitious check, and he sentences sends her to one year in county jail, but based on the favorable favorable report of the doctor served only four months. So good deal. Pretty yeah. good deal. So Dorothea's survival instincts took over and she flourished in jail. She was respected by the other women for her brains and her ability to get along with the guards. She begged or scrounged small favors like candy and cigarettes for herself and friends. When she was released, Dorothea moved north, having told her probation officer that she lived in san francisco in may 1950 only six months after her release dorothea disappeared in riverside county which had jurisdiction over her probation a judge issued an arrest for her warrant but while in jail dorothea had picked up useful knowledge that warrants for a routine small-time forger would usually go to the bottom of a deep stack of other warrants for more serious crimes so Dorothea was never arrested for this outstanding war- warrant. Oh, so she just kept evading. That's yeah. all. Yeah. So for a long time, so she kind of just moved from town to town. And for a long time in the, during the 50s, her family thought she was dead. But she was just like prostituting her way through California. Like she would just move around California. Mm-hmm. She did the circuit. Yeah. She's what the song California Dreaming is about. Yeah. <laughs> so in 1952, Dorothea meets and marries Axel Johansson, <laughs> who was captivated by the smart, bustling, beautiful woman. A guy named Axel is never good news. <laughs> no. He's always a bad boy. He was less tolerant than friend McFall about her endless lies and stories. Over the next few years, the couple set up house in Sacramento. But Dorothea would grow restless, and for long periods of time, she would go to, move to Los Angeles and get back into prostitution. When she did come back to Johansson, they would just fight about her absence and her being a prostitute, and then she would move to Los Angeles and be a prostitute. And then she would come back to Johansson, <laughs> and she, they would argue about being a prostitute. A.K.A. a healthy relationship. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this happened until about the 1960s when, because of the... Uh, alcoholism and just the poor eating habits and and all this you know essentially not really taking care of herself in any true way dorothea essentially had grown fat and (laughs) (laughs) nobody wants fat too and was also well into her 30s that's not true bbw (laughs) yeah nothing wrong with a good bbw porn so dorothea has has now transitioned Hey, I watch BBW porn. I think we all do. Yeah. It's great. I mean, I, I participate in BBW sex, so I watch mm-hmm. BBW porn. It's only right yeah. <laughs> to give back. <laughs> yeah, give back to the to the thing that you, you're into. <sighs> I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go there. 
I have watched my fair share of BBW porn. And we thank you. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> um, I will interject and say that uh, this has nothing to do with this. But my friend once showed me uh, Japanese BBW porn. Uh-huh. And it's like that. a it's like a rare delicacy. Yes, yeah, the yeah. Vi- the movies are all always two hours or longer. Yeah, what? and they're so involved. What? They are so involved with the fantasies. It's the first time I ever seen a lift and carry. What's a lift and carry? That's when the the woman is way bigger than the man, and she lifts him up and either like holds her and oh. holds him in one arm and masturbates him, or is like a, a like. Like a half half fireman's carry over the shoulder, and then she's fellatio. Oh, which never just seen seems that. like a dream. As like a man, it's like you're ex- so much <laughs> like is expected of you. Like, like oh, a, to- yeah, it's like the toxic masculinity. So much is expected of you. You just want to be just babied. You want to you be, be babied. But that's fire carried out, that's, and that's the most fellatioed. like that's the most like mom complex thing to like. I want to be held. And my dick sucked. <laughs> yes. At the same time. Easily. I just want to be cut. <laughs> and the Japanese men are so tiny. In the, in the porns, in, in these videos. And it's all Yakuza. Like, it's like Yakuza's like produce all of this. Really? So they, they have someone in the Yakuza that does like deep psychological work to go, what are the fantasies of these men? Interesting. That's I want to know. I want to do like that. It, when he showed it to me, I was like, oh my God, I'm ensconced. I'm entranced by this. Right. Like I'm, I have to know more and more and more about these things. Right. <sighs> Do you think that there's a Yakuza? It sounds like an like, art. Who's like, it has to go to like college yeah. to oh, become absolutely. a psychiatrist. Absolutely. So he can Most then report definitely. back. Report absolutely. back for the pornos. Yeah. Like, uh, Asian men like to be held and masturbated. <laughs> or they, it's cool. literally men in diapers. Wait, they're diapers? Some some of them are. Does it have uh, a hole for the There's whole so lot much of, to unpack here. Does it lot. have a hole for the, the penis? It's either. Do they poop in the diaper? I haven't seen any poop. No spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> it's either like small Japanese men who are pretending to be like teenage boys. Uh-huh. Or it's like a Japanese guy with like a gray wig pretending to be older. And what? he's like domineering some like they can't uh, have just an older asian man be an older asian man i mean i'm sure i've seen one or two like that's not what the study showed oh okay (laughs) oh (laughs) all right so (laughs) i know i don't know how we got here i'm sorry you said no it's great it's great i've been wanting to get off my chest it's a delicacy yeah you have been seeming like i you know what i have been like watching you be like and I'm like, I'm pretty sure he wants to talk about <laughs> Japanese <laughs> diaper porn. I want to see this lift and carry one, though. You like, said there's two hours long, though? What do you, do you have I, I'm not going to show you that on my phone. <laughs> Look that up on I've your never, own phone. I've never looked porn up on my phone. What? Oh, that's I've the only ne- way to watch it. No, 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 no. Only no, way to watch no, no, it. No, 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 there's no ads. What? No ads. How do, why is there no ads? Why do, what do you look you porn up on? My laptop. Oh no! I would never risk your that. laptop. Okay. Never risk that. Okay, I Grandma. Right on my laptop. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I antiquated <laughs> yes, for watching Pornhub? Yes. Why? You could get viruses on yeah, your laptop. So many viruses. No, your I don't. Phone, I don't want it on my phone. I don't want it on my phone. Like people look at my phone way more than they look at my laptop. Mm. You know? Well, you and don't I'm keep like, it on there. I'm absent-minded. I keep tabs private, open. You don't have a private tab. I don't apparently, do I mean, I don't, apparently I don't really she willy-nilly throws her phone at children. <laughs> yes. 
Private tabs. <laughs> Private tabs. I don't. I don't like normally. I mean, I use I I use the laptop. But I use a, a Tor browser. I use mm. that stuff for mm. like that stuff. Mm. I mean, oh, I don't man. want your phone is your your phone is tracked way more. So Dorothea becomes a <laughs> madam. <laughs> that timing. And she she starts to run several brothel brothels, sometimes employing several other women, or sometimes just herself and one other woman. If Johansson protested, Dorothea would just leave and then come back later. How disappointing <laughs> to walk into a brothel thinking, oh, I'm about to have options. I got all these honeys. This is good. Yeah. And it's just the one lady. <laughs> or, or her. And then uh, you, you're like, you meet like an unpleasant secretary. Like, have you ever gone into like a chiropractor's office and the secretary is just very unpleasant? <laughs> yes. And you're like, you're like, oh God, I hope I'm not dealing with you in any capacity. And then you meet the one, you meet the other prostitute and you're like, okay, well, do you have other options? And they're like, yeah, the secretary. And you're like, Oh man, like I, I just had a weird interaction with you. I just And when it's just Dorothea, yeah. she's just like she's like Hi, welcome to Dorothea's brothel. How can I help you? <laughs> yes, or she's she like, like I'd like to see your prostitute. She's like, sure, hold on. And <laughs> she, she just goes, turns around. Yeah, she just, she just, <laughs> Hi. Like how like almost like a can I see the manager style? Like, can I see your prostitute? Yeah. I'm you're, the prostitute. You're looking at her. Yeah. Here I am. Here are the goods. I hope you like potato chips. Yeah, she's all eating potato <laughs> chips, too. She's, so. like, she's all fat right now. In April 1960, the owner like of what her, you see? <laughs> just like, then also like smears it on his face. So in April 1960, the owner of her property on Fulton Avenue in Sacramento complained that the sh- to the sheriff's department that what he thought was a... Uh, a uh, room being rented as a bookkeeping service was actually a whorehouse. So to me, I just feel like this is a guy who got turned down. <laughs> like, <laughs> he totally did. So the phony bookkeeping service had a special telephone number for clients. The specialty of the house was a blow job for $7 and 50 cents. Two deputies. I was I waiting love for the you pause guys. of like, you're going to say something about this, yeah. right? And I'm, in my mind, I'm going, inflation, that's about right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought you were literally just remembering the Japanese BBW <laughs> porn. You're like, I wonder what that would cost. <laughs> Two deputies staked out the address. They saw men coming in and out, but the uh, the business kept regular business hours and would, cl- or, uh, would close promptly at 5 p.m., which... May, floors me that they hilarious. Like, like there's a bagel shop by my house that keeps business hours that frustrates me because it's always like it's open really early in the morning but it closes like four mm. and i'm like why can't you be open later like not everybody is works you know right next door to you and so i imagine yeah. it's just the same thing as like a, a guy who wants to get a prostitute it's like why can't you be open later <laughs> <laughs> you're the only brothel in town that does this tortilla <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> so i got people, therapy right at 5 30 showing up at 9 45 in the morning <laughs> right like right before work i got a big meeting yeah please the special who can go like businessmen can't go to her so it's like i think it's all just like people can't. who are, don't have a job mm. people who don't have a job or like waiters or and bartenders so the sheriff set up a sting to catch the operator, uh, the operation in the act. Lyft drivers. They, or Uber drivers. 
Lots got- of so many drunk women. I'm sorry to get you off. So many drunk women try and get in my car. I'm just like, no, this isn't for Stephanie. They're like, you sure? Like, you're cute. Like, and then they try and get in the car, and I'm like, it's not for Stephanie. I need money. Yeah. I need yeah. money way more than I need sex. That's crazy. Oh, no. That probably means that people take advantage of that, though. Oh, like, most. Oh, or that, or their police police plants. I got, I got, um, I got a, a, into a guy's car one time, and I thought that it was a, my lift, because it was, a, it was like, all, I think it was pretty much the same car. It was like a silver Honda, and then I think his was like a silver Toyota or something. Okay, yeah. And I get in his car, and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I thought you were my Lyft driver. And to be fair, he was a Lyft driver, but it wasn't for me. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And he went off on me, and he was like, this is, I could have been a serial killer. This could have been a really bad situation for you. And I was like, okay. And mind you, it takes me a while to get out of the car because I'm big. So he had a lot of time, but literally I like, I was like getting out of the car and he was still yelling at me. I was like, okay, dude, like I got it. Like, I'm not going to get in cars anymore. Like, leave me alone. Like, you know, just shut up. And then he he literally drives around the block and I get back in his car (laughs) by accident because I thought it was definitely him. And I just see, I just see it. We just look at each other and I go, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to get out of the car. (laughs) That's real good. But anyway, so they set up a sting operation. So two deputies dressed as truckers rent a semi-trailer and tractor. They coat $25 and $5 bills with fluorescent powder as bait money. And they also have the deputies put powder on their hands. They go to a phone booth several miles away from the from the um, whorehouse. And they call the, business, the uh, phony bookkeeping business. The woman on the phone says that they can come over. And that she'll just charge them the usual price. So they have the uh, sheriff deputies pretend to be truck drivers. They have them go get in the trucks and drive over to the whorehouse, which is this ad- this address on Fulton Street. And the they go into the, the building. And the woman introduces herself as Taya Johansson. And she gives her associate, Bonnie Lacoste, and says <laughs> that they'll, they'd be happy to serve as the two men. So it's two men for two women. So... This is a weird thing, but in the book that I was reading, it says that uh, Taya John- Johansson, which we, you know, obviously know as Dorothea, w- looked pretty in a fleshy way. A fleshy? So does that mean, like, a chubby, ch- pretty chubby girl? That's what I think he was trying to say, but, like, there was definite, like, sexism going on in this book where I was like, mm. okay, dude. So this this whole thing is, is nut- nutter butters. So Johansson told the deputies <laughs> that she preferred giving blowjobs to cus- customers, but would agree to a straight fuck if the men would use rubbers. So since there was only one bed, Lacoste would take the first trucker and Johansson would give his friend some coffee while they waited. Oh. So after... <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. So that's, that's wonderful. After that's some delightful. coffee, Johansson then later says, <clears throat> no, I'm not going to have sex with you. I'll just give you a blowjob. So... I'm not in the mood. She takes $15... In fluorescently marked money from one of the deputies. One of the deputies asks if her breasts are bigger than they looked. Johansson smiles and says that both men can fondle them for free. So in the here's, book... Here's, there, there's, more, there's more boob grabs. There's, wow. Yeah. So this, this, is literally, right this is literally in the book. He goes, one deputy, to complete the sting, put his hand inside Johansson's dress and rubbed a breast, coating it with powder. 
The two deputies <laughs> The two deputies followed Lacoste to the lone bed and watched her undress. As she raised her skirt, one deputy touched her legs and buttocks to mark her. Then they were both arrested for prostitution. And the mm. bait money and Johansson's trick appointment book were taken as evidence. They just like like when they arrest her, they just like rip her dress open and be like, there it is. Yeah, <laughs> we got it. I imagine also they were like, just to complete the sting, could you touch my penis? <laughs> just to complete the sting. Just to complete the sting. Can I have a kiss? The so queen. they find the yeah. ultraviolet powder on her back, breast, and knee. And they So why were the hands on the back? Yeah. Was that exactly. when they were to okay. really do it? So they <laughs> really do it. Yeah. So they so Dorothea obviously, you know, is Taya Johnson. <laughs> and she had employed several phony names and when she called a month or two prior to um, starting the whorehouse to rent the Fulton Avenue property. And she said that she was doing bookkeeping for mostly men from Reno, which, you know, isn't exactly a lie. She would do like, I'm doing some bookkeeping for <laughs> yeah. mostly uh, men. Uh, 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 uh. So, well, a woman once in a while, but mostly men. Uh, uh, uh. And then just like weird sounds <laughs> in the background. So she uh, agreed to appeal uh, a plea deal. And basically did not have to uh, get charged with pimping or pandering, but was charged with being in a house of ill repute. Those are pretty metal charges. Yeah. You know, all of those. You get charged with pimping. Yeah, that's yeah. dope. So standing for the judge, Dorothea says that she had just been visiting her girlfriend when the deputies arrived. And the judge didn't believe her and gave her 90 days in cam- county jail. She served her time, and she actually like denied the crime many years later and continued to stick to the story of that she was just visiting a friend, and the, that's when the police officers arrived. When hmm. she got out of jail, she moved back in with Axel jo- Johansson, and they moved to Broderick, which is across from the Sacramento River, and lived there for three years. Uh, Dorothea would try and hold down a series of short-term jobs, such as cook, dishwasher, or really anything that came along, and she would constantly be buying clothes and makeup. In 1966, Johansson finally fed up with Dorothea files for divorce. So after this, Dorothea decides that the big game is to open up a healthcare operation. So she opens up her first healthcare operation and specializes in treating alcoholics, and she calls it the Samaritans. She, at the time, to make money for the Samaritans, was working as a 24-hour-a-day caretaker and nurse for the elderly and invalid. She learned that the, easy, the biggest, best way to get money from, for the Samaritans was to schmooze the city inspectors and social workers who came by because those were people who would give her more clients. So she would, whenever they came by, they would always find a sandwich waiting or a fresh piece of pie. She mm, would throw monthly dinners pie. for them. By sandwich or fresh piece of pie, do you mean her vagina? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> sandwich, obviously, sandwich means butthole, and piece of pie means vagina. So it was either her butt or her vagina. She was like, you decide. Um, Here's some powder. Pick. Yeah. So the only thing she insisted on was that her payees, the bo- her boarders, ha- any money that was due to her boarders, she would have complete control over. 
1969, she met and married a young Hispanic man named Roberto Jose Puente. Puente. Who was Roberto Puente. 21 years nice old. To meet you. She was 39. I am 21. So for the third time, she gets married in Reno, which is like, why? Why Reno? She gets married every time in Reno. You know. There's a certain charm about that. Place. I was going to say, mm. Joey and I were just talking about this. He has this weird uh, thing that he likes about Elvis weddings. It's, really? I, so I, anytime someone brings up marriage with me, I'm like, oh, so we're going to go to Vegas and get married by the Elvis impersonators, right? And they're like, no, what? No, absolutely not. I'm like. It's not that. I don't want it. I, it's <laughs> it's got to be that. It's, and I hate so, Vegas. I've been there once. I hate it. When you get married, are you going to get married by an Elvis impersonator? It better be an Elvis impersonator. And I mean, it doesn't have to be in Vegas, I guess. I feel like it should be. Why? Do you the, like the Elvis impersonator of it? Or do you like the, the chapel of it? I think the I like the novelty. Yeah, I think I like the kitschiness of it. But that, see, see, that's what... Because nobody exact, actually does it, though. But no, a lot of people do. <laughs> a lot of people do. And, okay, first of all, this whole, like, the kitschiness of it, fuck that, <laughs> hipster shit, oh, it's ironic. No. No. And the reason you keep getting no's is because you haven't it met devalues the right woman. it. Yeah, I haven't well, met the right woman. Yeah. No. Clearly, it's it, clearly. It devalues it, too, though. It devalues the marriage? You, well, because you're saying it's for the kitschiness of it. It's for the it's for the quirkiness. Well, it's I, not well, for the well, love. Well, of hold on now. Mm-hmm. Let me let me go one step further. Right? <laughs> if the sanctity look look here. I'm in the middle of planning. Sister Felix. All right. Look I'm here. in the middle of planning a wedding. So <laughs> <clears throat> if the sanctity of the of the the holy matrimony union between the two folks can be tainted by an Elvis impersonator, it was a true love. To I begin get what with. you're saying there, but at the same time, it's like why does even this have to be a bit? Oh, oh, because everything's got to be a bit. No, see, that's the thing. That that be a bit. That's the problem. And it is a bit. It is. It's so funny <laughs> to me. Cause it's so funny. I'm like, ah. No, 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 the, no. The, the bond is between that person and I. I want to laugh. I don't want to stand in some chapel for three, four hours listening to some Well, that's nonsense. ridiculous, too. I but. watched Melancholia. It seems like it takes forever. <laughs> <laughs> that movie took forever. <laughs> So they fought every day. <laughs> they fought every day after, almost immediately after the wedding. And oh, oh, because they got an Elvis impersonator. Well, they, I think it actually, there's a quote that says that it's because we got an Elvis impersonator. <laughs> it said the kitschiness made it worse. And I actually feel like it showed that they weren't serious about marriage and that we shouldn't have gotten married in the first place. See? And that you no woman would actually agree. <laughs> To getting married, <laughs> I didn't hear her, <laughs> and obviously, are you are you currently dating somebody right now? Being courted by a woman that works at Netflix. Ooh, yeah. and I'm. Why would you Why would you say it like that? because uh, it's prestigious. Because we're it's Hollywood. Yeah, very Hollywood. Very Hollywood. Uh, and we're not dating, but she said we're exclusive on her end. We're exclusively friends. I'm being courted by a woman who works at the NFL. Oh, that's way sexier. Yeah. That's way sexier. I mean, it's closed captioning and it's from home and we've been dating for two <laughs> years. But I mean, you can say it any way you want. <laughs> so the one issue with this this marriage was this was the first time that Dorothea realized that like, okay, so in the, couple, the other marriages, the two marriages she had prior and in all of her dealings with men, she was the one who used them as meal tickets. 
in this marriage, she was the one being used as a meal ticket. Mm. And mm. this really affected her. So <clears throat> they, um, but what, what Roberto found out, which is what um, her other husband too will find out as well, is that she wasn't being up and up with actu- the actual amount of wealth that she had. So after two weeks of marriage, Roberto just leaves her and okay. just like, I'm done. Well, Dorothea then told people that she actually had gotten married in Mexico after vil- visiting relatives there. And she would even later say that her husband turned out to be a homosexual, like the Stella got a groove back style. He was a Mexican Whoa. homosexual. Yeah. Or that they did it for seven years and then turned out to be a homosexual. So mm. either way, he ended up being a homosexual. So after their marriage to Roberto ended, the Samaritans was $10,000 in debt because she was just stealing all the money she could from the people and wasn't really paying anybody. Mm. And so she had to file for bankruptcy. So that's when she finds 2100 F Street, which was a three-story house, a Victorian house with 16 small bedrooms and bathrooms and that contained a bed, television, and closet. And Dorothea used that to open up a larger version of the Samaritans, which would be a um, unlic- another unlicensed healthcare facility. So it was three stories on the on the... Third floor was where Dorothea lived. She um, lived above her borders. On the ground floor, that's where she put the more affluent borders who were on federal assistance. And she relegated the poorest county-assisted tenants to the basement in what one former tenant called little cubicles with just curtains separating them. But she had upped the amount of stuff that she would provide. So she had up to two cooks, permanently staffed, she would throw holiday parties for social workers. She um, she would have she had like actual staff there. Uh, she claimed she started claiming that she was a doctor and that she had gone to medical school so that she could provide treatment for her for the patients there. Oh God! Oh no! So that's why she said that she didn't require any specific le- uh, medical professional to be on staff there. Um, she also required, again, required all of the boarders to hand over their assistance checks to her. She did keep the the people who would come over, the social workers who would come over, would say that she kept the house immaculately clean, and that like even the glassware and the refriger the the floor under the refrigerator looked spotless. Which is funny to me that that's what they were checking. Yeah, she was like a couple of steps away from being legit. Yeah, well, yeah, that, so where'd she get this business acumen from? That's the thing. Well, from like her her mother, from like working odd jobs, from being a prostitute. Yeah, I was she thinking, learned. Like, she's banging like bankers and yeah, yeah. <laughs> businessmen on their lunch breaks. Yeah, I mean, maybe she just always liked a clean house. She was yeah. very well. The th- the problem is, is like again, she's very smart, and I think it's what we find with petty criminals and and people like this in general is that they think that they're working. They think that they're working smart, not hard. Mm. Like, oh, I'm doing this unlicensed thing, so I don't have to go through the whole rigmarole of actually opening a license. But it's like she's actually doing like ten times more work to get half as much money. And it's like if she just opened up an actual like healthcare facility, she would have been what she wanted to do. But because she didn't want to put in the actual official work, she just did this. I wonder if she couldn't because of her charges. On her yeah, no, she couldn't. Yeah, she was. That's the the reason why she couldn't do it. So she would uh, hang medical diplomas in the <laughs> offices, and she even brought medical equipment like blood pressure cuffs and syringes. 
and call and uh, called herself La Doc- Doctora. La Doctora. Yeah. She just like set dressed yes. her apartment. Yes. yes. <laughs> when she like made her own certificates out of Sharpie. Exactly. So <laughs> she became paper. She actually became pretty well known when she was at when she was working at twenty one hundred F. She even started becoming a Hispanic civil leader and started helping young, struggling Hispanic women and taking them under her wing and helping them with with things. She even wrote in her will one time that she was going to give each of the women that she was helping a college education, like money for a college education. But she didn't have any money. But she just Michael Scott in the office. Yes. Yes. Scott's. Yeah. (laughs) So she was stealing about two hundred to three hundred dollars per month from each of her tenants. And her alcoholic tenants only got room and board, and she would just take all of the money that they got, even money from, like, family and friends. Wow. So this is where she meets her fourth and final husband, Pedro Angel Montova. So Dorothea started noticing a young Mexican laborer working around the grounds at 2100 F Street. She was 10 years his senior. In July 1975. I also watched these kinds of porns. Cougar? Oh, yeah. yeah. Milfs. Yeah. I'm watching the ones where it's like the the mother shows the girlfriend how to give a proper blowjob. <laughs> Those are okay. <laughs> Those are okay. Yeah, just because it's always funny to me the circumstances in which they walk in. Mm. It's always like, oh, you're not doing it correctly. <laughs> my son deserves a good blowjob. Oh and it's my like, god. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh we're we're in this territory. <laughs> I was also gonna say that. Men with the name Anhel are never good news either. No, Axels and mm. Anhel are bad guys. Bad yeah, boys. Yeah, Anhel. Pedro's fine. I feel like there are some good. Pe- some, I know. Some good some, I know good Pedros, but yeah, uh, yeah. Angel Anhel. <laughs> they're always like kind of dickish. Mm. Yeah. Um. So he lashing had been out living. The name. <laughs> they're lashing out their back. He had been living at the house, the boarding house, for about a year. And Dorothea started spending more and more time with him, inviting him to the third floor, which was like, ooh, ooh, la la, and to her favorite bars. In 1976, they got married in Reno. My God, again? Yeah. They, oh, she always gets married in Reno. She's it's not like a, she has like a, a like standing reservation there. She's not very superstitious. No. So at, uh, almost immediately after the ceremony was over, Montalvo like starts to kind of go, go away from her. Like, starts to be like, I don't think that this is the woman that I should be married to. Number one, she, like, keeps all of her finances private, which is, like, one of those things where I can understand if, like, you're dating, but when you're married, it's, like, you, you know, being like, how are you paying for that? Don't worry about it. It's, like, you know, no, we're married. No, yeah, that's not good, yeah. So, so do, does did she hide a lot of her money, or yeah. did she not have a lot? Okay, so she... Did have a lot of. She had money, but she would spend it. But then she would spend a lot. She would like spend way too much. So she would. Oh, okay. She nobody ever really knew how much money she had. But she would say that she had a lot of money, but people didn't know. Like because so, sometimes she would get a windfall and she would have money. Right. But then sometimes she wouldn't have money. So it was like, it was kind of like a up in the air situation. So she would also waver a lot between acting way older. Than she what she was, especially when like social workers would come around, or she was visiting social workers, or trying to act way younger than for what Aunt she was. Hen. Yeah, for on him, she was wow. just like, "Hey, baby," and then for the social so workers, really, she's yeah. like, "Welcome to my 
how yeah <laughs> like how i am anytime i laugh now it's always it's always followed by a a high laugh like a ha-ha, and then <laughs> like that's always my laugh now you're not even the smoker no it's, i'm it's not a, a fun smoker laugh. It's yeah a fun laugh. it sounds to me like dorothea really just was a misplaced actress like she was she just was. supposed to be an actress yeah she was definitely she a was supposed to be a prostitute that's what she loved well, I, she think, I think even prostitutes are supposed to be actresses. Yeah. Because they're, yeah. they're just putting on a show. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Putting on a show, especially her. Yeah. She, got, she liked tooting because... Oh, boy, did she. Because she liked making up stories. That's why she liked it. And she liked yeah. sex. So mm-hmm. she could have been, been an actress, a writer. I was going to say earlier, if there had been one positive influence, one good teacher in her life, maybe... If yeah. she would have had changed. one Yakuza member to yeah. just steer her in <laughs> exactly. the right direction. Yeah. One psychology porn. Yakuza uh, member. Uh, she could have been something special. So still watching her zoetrope uh, For clips. some reason, I just get a big kick out of like a Yakuza guy going like, and how do you feel about this? <laughs> Meanwhile, just like a gi- the giant Yakuza tattoo underneath the mm-hmm. suit that he's mm-hmm. wearing. Oh, yeah. most definitely. So Dorothea, so they got their- Focus m- groups were born. <laughs> their- <laughs> Their marriage got annulled soon after soon after they got married. She actually claims that Montalvo was abusive from the moment they were married. Now, some of it kind of seems, you know, plausible because, again, his name is Angel. So, yeah, I feel like, yeah, he would be abusive. But she, <laughs> she says that he would beat her and then also sometimes would stab her in between the eyes. With what? Which, yeah, which was like, what? How, what does that even mean? Like... So, like with a sh- finger, like yeah, like, like just well, that's a poke, yeah, maybe a fingernail. But I mean, you know, like I just stabbed you with a finger. Like, so she claims, she claims that in their first married week, she she Montalvo killed her pet cat, broke windows at the uh, healthcare facility, and slashed the tires of her car. She even wrote in a 1982 letter to a judge seeking leniency of a later crime that. All of my problems started when I married Mr. Montaldo. Oh wow! I don't think that's just, no. They started way when she before was that. Born. <laughs> so twenty one hundred was going great until Robert Davis had to screw things up. And Robert Davis was a tenant who had been living there for three years, but he he was an alcoholic and he had been spent time in and out of county jail for minor offenses. He was doing time at County's Rio Cosumes. Correctional facility in 1977 and was waiting for his social security check. Who was getting angry because it wasn't, it hadn't arrived. And then all of a sudden it does arrive, but it has a signature on it and it's already been cashed. And he's like, I never did, I never signed this. I don't know what the hell's going on. So the Treasury Department starts to do an investigation and they uncover 34 more checks to tenants at 2100 that were all forged with signatures and all the signatures were written by Dorothea. When questioned, Dorothea says that Robert Davis had asked her to go to the correctional facility and bring his check. He had asked me to cash it for him. I went there to have him sign it. The guards were standing right there while Davis signed the check over to me, which was a crazy outlandish lie because it could have been easily checked. And so it's like, why did she even have to say that lie? Yeah, all they had to check is a sign-in sheet. Yeah. And also, like, the guards and be like, were you there? Was Dorothea? You know, it's like one of those things where it's like, yeah, sign-in sheet would have been too. But it's like, so it's just one of those things where, again, she has to go above and beyond. So the Treasury Department does this whole probe 
but they don't do all of the forgeries. They just stop at $4,000 because that was enough to get a felony conviction. So there could have been more money that she stole, but they stopped at $4,000. So because Dorothea was worried that they would look into her other crimes, i.e. the, the warrant that was out for her arrest, she agrees to plead guilty to forgery and also claims that she suffered a nervous breakdown because of her conviction and her divorce from her husband. And she decides that she's going to do a clean life. So she's like, I'm, I'm so 1978. She's like, I'm done with petty crimes. I'm just going to live clean. So she moves to Stockton and she starts doing odd jobs and dishwashing and cleaning and cooking. And in mid 1979, she decides, screw it. I'm moving back to Sacramento. I'm starting a new healthcare facility. (laughs) Sacramento's where her so heart she's was. like, I'm done. She tries it for like not even a year, and she's like, I'm over it. She doesn't like change. She does not like change. No. Despite moving at least, it sounds like around twenty times to different cities. Yeah. So she meets. So at a bar, she meets Ricardo Odorica, who owns a Victorian style house at 1426 F Street. And he, him and his wife had actually been renovating the first floor and they need somebody to rent the second floor. And she walks up to them and says, I would like to rent the second floor. And so she, they agreed to rent it to her for $200 a month. And she would paid for that by also working as a live-in caretaker for the sick and elderly. However, rumors began again that she was stealing from them. and But little things that would be chalked up to like maybe like old elderly memories like jewelry or stuff like that so this kind of went on until 1982 when she started really upping her crimes how old is she now 53 (laughs) she's like thank you for answering your own question (laughs) we did not pause to look that up we know we did the math we did it lightning speed off the top of our heads no need for anything nobody took a bathroom break and nothing happened. So, in 1982, she meets Esther Busby, 70s, frail, smallish, generally bright temperament, lives in a small home. Doctor was Jerome Lackner, who also treated Dorothea for potassium retention and an ulcer-like condition and heartbeat irregularities. So, in 1979, uh, Dorothea was Montalvo's live-in nurse. Um, as early 1980s, though, however, her, her health starts declining and she starts frequently going to Sutter General Hospital for emergency medical treatment. But the, the problems are suspicious because there's really no cause. Mildred Ballinger, a social worker, begins tracking Busby's acute attacks. Once Busby got to the hospital, Lackner and other doctors would stabilize her and her condition would improve almost overnight. The source of the medical problem would stay unknown. Busby herself was always frightened and bewildered because she would leave the hospital feeling great, but then would shortly come back and be really sick. So that was another reason why the social worker Ballinger was starting to get suspicious because nobody really like leaves the hospital feeling great and then like almost immediately like gets, you know, sick again. Yeah, it's just it was just a weird thing. Ballinger reaches out to Peggy Peggy Rossi, who was responsible for the discharge of elderly patients. And she tells him that, you know, that she is suspicious of this woman, Esther Busby. And she's, uh, she has a caretaker named Dorothea. And 
Buzz um, Ballinger says that she had heard rumors about Dorothea and that she has used several names and that another rumor that she heard about Dorothea was that she poisoned her last two husbands, but they're not 100% sure. So they bring in Dr. Lackner and Dr. Lackner's like, I don't know. I feel like Dorothea is always so nervous when Buzz, when Esther Busby comes into the hospital room, like she seems just as worried as everybody else. She's constantly attending to her. He even one time said that he wished that he could see his all of his elderly patients have somebody have a friend like Dorothea with them because she was so attentive to Esther Busby. So she was like, I don't know if I if I think that, um, you know, that that that's the case. But then he started noticing that she he would she would do things like she would make sure that like nobody else was around her when she was with her. Like she was always wait until everybody else had left the room before she walked into the hospital room. And that when she did seem worried, it was only when something happened that could, that Dorothea could possibly maybe potentially be in trouble for. So the doctor starts feeling like maybe Dorothea was more, not necessarily upset that something was happening with Esther, but that maybe that her cash cow was, was going away sort of thing. So they think that maybe they're worried that maybe she had been poisoned. So Dr. Lackner goes to visit Esther and says, I just so you know, we have some maybe some trepidations about your nurse, Dorothea. And she's and Esther's like, no, Dorothea is great. I trust her vehemently. Well, the very next time that Esther has a scare, she ends up going to a hospital 20 miles away from her house instead of Sutter General, which is like almost across the street. And it's because Dorothea knew that Dr. Lagner and the team at the the Sutter General were onto her. So she's like, okay, well, she's going to be a new patient, so there won't be the same suspicions. However, the hospital, uh, University of California at, at Davis Medical, almost immediately noticed that something was wrong. <laughs> so they send her her blood to toxicology to see what was happening, and it showed digitoxin in her system, which is a heart medication, but it's not the heart medication that she took. And Dr. Lagner re- recognized it. It's a heart medication that Dorothea takes. Oh, wow. So he goes to Busby and he tells her, he notifies the police and he tells her, you need to fire Dorothea. She is, she's poisoning you. And he goes, and so she fires, luckily she fires him immediately, she fires her immediately. And she goes, they contact the police and the police say, well, yeah, this is all suspicious, but there's nothing really significantly linking mm. Dorothea to these, these hospital. Cause again, Esther is an invalid and is, you know, is an older woman. So it could just be, you know, like some of the stuff was like, she came in there, like her high, her salt content was high. And so it was like, it could just be that she's eating too much salt, you know, it could just be the cops are lazy. Yeah. So she, so they were like, okay, well, there's nothing really we can do. In 1981, she dies. Esther Busby dies. Dorothea was not involved, but they still view it as that Dorothea led to her death because she had constantly been poisoning her up until the time that she left, which had obviously deteriorated her health. So it did, and probably led to a faster death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the they, cops were like, nah. Yeah. The cops were like, nah. So that then, bitch was old. Sorry. Oh, I used the B word. Sorry. So, Dorothy- but that was the cops using the B word, not me. Yeah, I was mimicking them. <laughs> okay. So we're gonna take. Uh, we're gonna pause, and then next episode we're gonna get into 
the rest of the 1982 trial and then the murders at 1426 F Street. Uh, Joey, do you have anything you want to promote? Yeah, I host a show every third Sunday at the Acme in North Hollywood called Mixed Signals. Okay. Uh, 9 p.m. Our next show is March 15th, the, the Women's Month edition. So there's a lot of, be, a lot of fantastic uh, women comedians will be there doing stand up. Marie, do you have anything you want to promote? No. Uh, follow <laughs> at Bloody Podcast. Bye. Bye.